Greetings, podcast listeners. My name is Brendan, and I'm tuning into the Kyle Tierman Show from Palo Alto, California. And something I'm excited about in this crazy world of ours is all the access to information that we have and how we can apply it, and more and more people are getting access to this information daily. So create your own world and listen to more podcasts. Gracias, Brendan. If any of you have a public service announcement that you want played at the beginning of my show, be it something you're excited about right now, a fun fact, cool story, or a project that maybe you're trying to get going and want to connect with other like-minded people about, you can record it on the Voice Memos app in your phone and then email it to me. My email is kyle at kyle.surf. And if it's a message that you want other people to respond directly to you about, be sure to mention your social media handle. Keep it under 20 seconds and bonus points if it's funny. This episode of the podcast is with Ciara Lynch and Alexandra Snow. This one is Ciara. You know, we we humiliate men for a living um, in a sexual context. And like a lot of people ask me like, oh, does it change your opinion about men? And this one is Alexandra. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also a professional dominatrix, not just a video producer. And I have, you know, a really large dungeon in, in Ohio. And um... This conversation was recorded in an RV at Burning Man. That background noise that you might hear is a generator. Ciara and Alex camped with us this year, and I got to know them both pretty well. We cooked many meals together, we went on many adventures together, we laughed our asses off together, and I have nothing but good things to say about both of them. They are sharp, witty, they were helpful around camp, they're not hung up on themselves or what they do. I found that they wouldn't bring up their profession unless people asked, and then when people would ask, they would... You know, give them an honest, straightforward answer. And they're not hung up about taboo subjects, which is so important. If this conversation offends you, then good. Those who are shocked should be shocked more often. Yeah, I consider them both friends, and they're great peeps. This episode of the podcast is made possible by listeners like you. If you like this podcast, if you enjoy honest, unfiltered conversation, then head over to my website, kyle.surf. Not kyle.surf.com, just kyle.surf. And donate whatever you can on Patreon. $1, $5, $20. It helps keep this show going, and I so appreciate all of you who donate. Um, It really makes the difference. If you want to get in touch with me about anything, head over to my website, kyle.surf, or hit me up on Instagram. I always love hearing from you. I love hearing about recommendations for new guests, feedback on past shows. I loved all the feedback I got from the Mick Fanning episode that I did, and uh, makes me feel good, both positive and constructive criticism. I'm open to it all. If you like this episode, you might also enjoy episode number 54, titled Sex Fantasies and Abalone Diving with Amy Baldwin. And um, if you can't donate, I totally get it. I hate asking people for money, but 
if you guys value this stuff, please do no- donate. And if you don't have cash, um, other ways that you can support the show are to share it with friends, give it a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It all helps. Um, and thanks so much. So, without further preamble, fasten your motherfucking seatbelts and please welcome my homegirls, Ciara Lynch and Alexandra Snow. Kyle Cameron here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave and you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. I just got rid of like a bunch of wires and old electronics recently. It felt so good. I did the whole was it Kumaro the the art of tidying up or whatever. Yep. yep. Kumaro method. What is this? Your, 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 um, your shoe thing was incredible. There's a book called um, the art of tidying up, the magical art of tidying up, something like that. And it's uh, it's a Japanese woman, Japanese writer, and um, basically it's just how to uh, downsize. And she has this method of, like, you go by category. So at first you do clothes, because those are, like, the least um, sentimental, usually, to people. Mm-hmm. So what you do is get all the clothes in your house and put them in a pile. And one by one, you pick it up. And the rule is, like, if it sparks joy, you keep it. And if mm. not, you throw it mm-hmm. out um, or give it away or whatever. And then you move on to shoes and then, um, like... Uh, do people have more sentimental value with shoes usually than the well, rest? Well, some women do. It, well, no, I mean it just goes down by category. So like clothes, shoes, like I think those are kind of the, the the least sentimental for people. And then like there's like paper. The last one is photographs, and she actually encourages you to throw away old photographs, wow. yeah, and stuff like that. And that's the hardest because you know you can get you know how you clean your room and you find a picture and seem forever, and you just stare at it for five hours and you get nothing done. So yeah, it kind of it, it yeah it, it sidesteps but she, that. But she problem. encourages it to to make, to make it all digital and you know store it away although I feel like in an, our, this is actually as a segue something I kind of been concerned about is now in the in like the digital age that there's so many photographs we have we don't really look at them anymore right I mean I don't know about you but I mean I just 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 in Iceland took thousands of images it takes so long just to sort them decide yeah. the things that I want to post and it's these are not even a lot like you know shoots I'm doing specifically to publish they're just my own stuff yeah if I looked at the stuff I shot in France last year I'm like I mean I thank God for like Facebook like showing me shit that I did you know however many years ago because I would never go back and look at these yeah. any of these things so I wonder if it's good just to clean all that house and then have well, to make room for more memories yeah and I remember when kind of digital photography um, digital cameras were becoming more of a thing and, and photogra- my photography teacher just talking about like oh it's so great like you don't have to pay for film but I was just like why do you have to go through those photos it's like hours and hours of work and yeah, it's a pain in the ass you ever seen a documentary called Finding Vivian Meyer no. it's really well done you guys would enjoy it it's about this woman who let who led this very private life she was a babysitter for her whole life and the documentary is made by this kid who, at an auction after sh- she dies, he gets this box of photographs. And it turns out that she's this like, world-class photographer. She did black and white portrait f- photography, and no one ever knew of her work. So he takes the photographs around to various um, contemporary mm-hmm. photographers, and they're like completely blown away with oh, wow. her, her style and her... Um, 
her ability to take photographs, but no one would have ever known who this woman was without this kid bringing her to light. And now her photo, her photography is in museums around the world wow. after oh, cool. she was dead. That's sad. Like, imagine to think like how famous we're going to be after we die. Right. <laughs> you right? Just never know like how like what mark you leave in the world. Maybe it's like God's way of like being like you're not going to be able to handle it in this lifetime. Maybe, so like yeah. once you're once you're dead. <laughs> That's true. I think. Fame is probably pretty hard to deal with. Like fame, extreme fame. 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 fame is really hard to deal with. I mean, we we have fame. I'm not, our, no, we're not famous. No, no, we have we have we, we have fa- we have fame in our in our very we're, small we're niche. We're popular in our niche. Right. Yeah. It's not fame, but though. it's not. But it, yeah, but even then, it, it it's often can feel really overwhelming, and it's not that much. I don't think it's overwhelming. Right. I think it's fine. I think it's just the right amount of like popularity and notoriety. Right. Because you because like we'll um like. For instance, we sometimes get recognized, but no one, almost no one ever approaches us. We just get right. an email later being like, oh my God, I think I saw you at this place at this time. So oh my God, I rode a plane with you and I, you know, I, went, I really wanted to come say hi to you, but I was too nervous. You know? right. yeah, yeah. So it's like, whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's overwhelming at all. I think it's, it's nice. It's a little ego boost. And yeah. I don't know. I, what, what do you, what do you find overwhelming about it? Um, I, the, the thing that's gotten overwhelming for me, at least in the last like six to eight months is that I think my stuff's getting pirated more and more and so I'm getting more people who are not my clients or consumers who recognize me and they're like I saw your videos like you know my um uh on Pornhub and Pornhub (laughs) and all that stuff actually was a like my my high school ex-boyfriend who I broke his heart and haven't spoken to in years right I reconnected them on Facebook and uh you know, and we'd been friends on Facebook for a while, but I was seeing if he was going to come to Burning Man, and we were just kind of chatting and stuff. And he goes, uh, "He goes, I don't want to sound weird or anything, but um, you know, I, uh, I, 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 I see what you're doing for a living now. And of course, I have none of that stuff on my personal Facebook. Like, it's I've been pretty, you know, fairly locked down. And I was like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I just thought it's really fitting. You know, I, I, I saw you online, and actually, it was one of my friends who kind of recognized you, and then showed it to me. And was like, hey, so did you did you date this girl like 15 years ago?'" And I'm like. Okay, that's nice. And I know this person is, that's not, he wasn't looking for my stuff, right? right? But I mean, I had, I've had couples do it. And I had like a, a girl, a girl in my office who was just like, I know you. I really, and I have like an executive office rental, right? So it, it, nobody knows what I do in this place. But she literally stopped me in the kitchen. She's like, I know you. I know you from somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, I have an office here. She goes, no, I know. I've seen you from somewhere. And they, and they, the people get really insistent about it. You're going, I, I'm gonna make up something here so that you know you can maybe feel like this. Right. I, was, I, would, I would just tell him like I do porn. I might saw me on the internet. I made it to round three in American Idol five years ago. Yeah, there you go. Um, so so what, that just kind of weird. But people, them? but people well, yeah, hire but, but, your but stuff. You, yeah, but you, yeah, but you live in Portland and I live in Columbus. And fair and enough, so, yeah, fair so enough. I'm from a rural liberal area, so yeah. I I don't care. People always think what I do is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of lucky in that way. But yeah, our stuff does get pirated um, a lot. Wow. It, so, it doesn't really affect our bottom line, I feel like, though. I mean, you have, you have to keep up with it. You have to send in, like, copyright notices and, like, keep up with it. But, I mean, I hate to say this because it really makes me mad when people do it, but it's gotten it, me a lot of publicity. Like, yeah. it's got me on HBO. It's got me, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a feature film right now, and the, the filmmaker found me on through pirated videos, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, kind of. Yeah, there's. It's like know, I mean, there's good sides a, to it. a lot of people have that f- same feeling around like TED talks, where like they don't mm-hmm. pay you to go right, to right. TED, but the publicity, the that, exposure, and exposure that comes out of it. I, I'm guessing that you constantly have to kind of weigh those two options. Well, but the difference is for us is that exposure doesn't doesn't necessarily meet bottom line for us. I mean, our right. the, the the money money we we get 
is usually pretty consistent based on the, the like the loyal following you have. A lot of the stuff that we're doing is more now for our own edification, like going and doing HBO or doing your like doing your that's feature true. film, and yeah. that's true, like, yeah. I'm, I'm like I'm doing my documentary. I'm not going to make any money off this, right. but it's important to me to feel like I'm doing more than just making material for for people to masturbate R- to. Right. What's what's the documentary about? Um, mine is about the the world of um, uh, female domination inside the fetish industry. Um, they're using me. They're they're trying to make it ab- about me specifically, and I've kind of shifted it a little bit away to make it so that it's not just about me. It's kind of about the industry in general because I feel like um, there's not, not there's no one of us that's you know honestly representative. That's that, representative, and and the industry to me is like. Uh, it's it's very very unique in in what it's done for women. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of been the that's been the, the attack. How so? Um, well, I mean, w- porn has long been the, the 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 place that that you know girls go to go to do or like go to strip or go to work somewhere in the adult industry because they don't have any other life skills. They don't have any other you know education or whatever, and it's looked down upon. And you know yet. It's like have. saying you're a podcaster. <laughs> Touche. You scum. Yeah, you scum. Um, but what happened was, you know, we, we took an, an, this little tiny piece of an industry, and instead of making it something that was, you know, like, shush, shush, and no one wanted to talk about, instead basically made really successful careers out of it and became self-made, you know, women and feel really empowered. Like, I, my, my entire career has, has given me an avenue to change not only my life but affect everyone's lives I've ever wanted to. How has it changed changed your life? Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know. you were going to say something. Well, I was going to say two things about what you said. So the reason what separates us from, um, uh, or, or what makes what we do different from, you know, maybe women who go into the sex industry and are exploited or how don't have other knowledge skills. We do everything on the internet, and and the internet has taken away the middleman in the adult industry. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't need to be hired by a producer or some scumbag behind a camera. You can have your own webcam and just work directly online and make money that way. Um, So you had to become your own business owner as well. Yeah, and two, we have this, like, kind of loophole in the industry where (laughs) we're the the dominant ones. We're, like, you know, and we don't get naked, so it kind of makes it, quote-unquote, like, okay. Like, people don't even think of it as sex work because it just seems like two badass-empowered chicks. And, like, especially now, like, feminism has had this huge resurgence. Like, people think it's really cool, even though... We're feminist heroes, Even though, like, when it comes right down to it, I I don't know, I want to speak for you, but I don't feel like I'm doing anything better than a prostitute no like no morally we, no, speaking absolutely right. I'm, I'm, I'm a sex worker um, and and i think it's better as in like it's a better job it's more enjoyable and stuff like that but morally speaking i don't think i'm any better than the type of sex workers that uh, people tend to stigmatize and look down upon i absolutely agree and part of part of my goal is to help destigmatize that because i really want i want a woman to be able to go i i want to be able to sell my body in whatever way I want and enjoy selling my body in whatever way I want. I mean, like, I... I, Or not. Like, who cares if you don't enjoy it? It's a job. Like, you don't, you know... I mean, as in have some some fulfillment out of it, some some gratification. Well, I'm sorry, I don't mean to argue with you, but, like, people get caught up with, like, oh, is this empowering to you? And it's like, who cares? It's a job. Does it have to be empowering for it to be valid, you know? Well, but isn't having a job an empowering thing? 
Um, I mean, if it makes you money, like enough money to live upon, that's empowering. But my point is, like, I think a lot of people get caught up. Like, I don't know, people talk like I feel like strippers, for instance, are constantly having to defend themselves. Like, no, I think it's empowering. And, and to me, it's like you don't have to. It's just a job. Like, people should respect you because you're a person and it's a legal, like, yeah, well, okay no, but what thing I, to do. What like, I think you know? it's what I think is empowering Not is all the, jobs are empowering, you know? Well, I think it's empowering is the ability to make the choice to do it. I mean, right. like, like we, yeah, we're, 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 we're both educated and have, you know, and have. Uh, I mean, I, I had I had white collar, you know, career, you know, in in the works, and said, nope, definitely going to do this instead. It was a much better, much right. better field for me. Well, I think that it, regarding empowerment, you are sh- you're challenging people, and not all jobs are challenging people because you just ask the question, like, wh- what is okay in society? Like, where do, where does society draw these arbitrary lines? And you're forcing people to confront those arbitrary lines and and realize how stupid they are exactly what, what arbitrary lines are you like mean? the arbitrary lines of that like you are because oh, we don't like, get naked like, yeah, it's, it's because better, you're you know? yeah that like you are on a moral high ground above a prostitute right. in right. some way because society values prostitution less right. than uh dominant i don't know i mean i, I, I hope i'm challenging that i don't I know am. i mean i think people i, I don't really talk about like, too much is that i just said you know what I said because it's what I think, but I don't really go out of my way to be like. I, I got out of my way up, to do that. Uplift, yeah. So if you, know, you yeah. so if you could talk to, you know, a 27 year old man who's curious about this mm-hmm. and probably has a lot of misconceptions, being that he's lived in society, um, what's that? What's the conversation that you would like to have with him? Well, uh, sit I mean, him down. What would you like to say? I, I, I wouldn't. If I, I try to assume where, wherever his. Uh, you know his his background is whatever his his preconceived notions sure. are. I mean, if I if I try to make it like the most middle of the road like like white bread American guys, right. most most white bread American guys are, are still of the like yeah. monogamy is the only way, and a woman's body, you know, is is basically like you know you 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 know if you're in a relationship with a girl, he, like she basically kind of belongs to you. It's that kind of ownership thing. Um, so like I would I would want to sit him down and be like, nope, guess what, the girl doesn't belong to you, and whatever she chooses to do. You know, does not does not you know enable your behavior. Like when my when my the things I don't like the most, like you know, you're like you know, 27, 28 year old guys, is that the idea that your uh, your anatomy, your biology, somehow rules your behavior. And at least in in our particular field, um, we don't have to put up with any of that. So guys, like I mean, and you, we get plenty of it. Like guys, like horny and like I want to talk to you right now, and you could say no, right? And in my, many other areas of sex work, it's still the customer is always right, sort of thing. And I think that perpetuates itself in uh, in sex too. Like a guy is horny and he wants to have sex with you, and so that's the thing that you have to do. But no, everybody's body is their own, and right. yeah, and you pleasure. Think guys have a sense of entitlement. Oh God! I think I think men definitely have a sense of entitlement. I don't think. Well, no, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think they're horny and they want it really bad. And it's, it's not so much they have a sense of entitlement; they're just gonna go for it because they doesn't hurt to try. No, but these are the same guys that get, they get furious with us when you know we don't do the things that they want. It's definitely yeah, a sense of entitlement. Because they're horny and then they like they they're frustrated. But women don't get horny and frustrated and then get pissed right, off. Right, because about we it. don't need sex the way guys do. We can enjoy uh, it as much. Speak for yourself. <laughs> we can enjoy we can enjoy it as sex, but no, honey, you can you have a brain beyond your sex drive you don't do stupid shit I, I, but you, I, I, you wouldn't I, I, ruin your life for an orgasm the way some men will 
Yeah, but that's that, that that's it's not elevating them. I don't think men are less because of that. I don't think their biology. Oh, I don't think they are either. I'm just. Saying I'm saying, that but, but that's that's the thing. That's the preconceived notion that I hate is that your biology somehow depicts the the level of behavior that you don't have to. That you can basically be like, oh, I'm horny, and so that means that I don't have to think about what I'm doing. I don't have to make good decisions. I don't have to. Yeah, but men you know. are cognitively impaired when they're horny. In not a way, women aren't. And not all of them. Not all of them, but most. I've done some dumb things, so I was horny. <laughs> not that dumb. Come no, on, not that dumb. So we, you know the dumb things guys do. Well, we were, so we were talking right before we went on, uh, right before we started recording about photographs and mm. these different versions of ourselves back through time, right? Like you look at a Facebook photo of yourself four years ago and you're like, wow, that was me. And like, I think that one of the, the interesting things about getting rid of photographs yeah. is you're like getting rid of a version of yourself, right? And we're always willing to show up as a, we're always showing up as a version of ourself, mm. right? And I'm sure that you both have had to like very much decide what versions of yourself you're going to show up oh, as. Oh, yes. In a way that most people don't have to think that through consciously. Yeah, compartmentalization is a big, big right. deal. In fact, when I started doing my documentary earlier this year, um, my director... Uh, you know, was asking me like, okay, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna start asking you really personal questions about your life, and you know, you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to talk about. And it was a really tough place for me to be in because you know, they're asking me questions that we don't talk about, like in our, especially as sex workers, like about your family or about you know, like your, your child life. You you've you've answered a lot of these things mostly because you're you're because you you've done some of the some of these other areas. Um, but I was like, you know what, I. This is this is the opportunity that I have to basically decompartmentalize, you know, to to say no, I'm 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 a completely whole integrated human being. But even that being said, even as you know, like spending the last six months trying to be honest and tell people what I do and like and own it and be proud of it because I am, you know, it's just more of a habit rather than a practice. Um, is that you still do have to have the prepackaged version, and especially professionally, you know, your your clients, your fans, your your followers, they, they want to see this fantasy idealized version of you, and so. So, you know, your social media looks like that. You know, it doesn't look like I'm not going to post the 20 pictures of my cats I probably took tonight. I'm going to post the one sexy picture of me bending over in whatever outfit and be like, yes, you know, this is what you, you're going to worship me tonight. And what I'm really doing is sitting around like, you know, watching Netflix and petting my cats. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, do you wake up in the morning and decide what version you're going to put on? Like, let's say you're going to work. How do you click into that mode? I personally don't feel like it's that separate for me. Um, I can compartmentalize in the sense that, um, so, you know, we, we humiliate men for a living, um, in a sexual context. And like a lot of people ask me like, Oh, does it change your opinion about men? And it's like, well, no, like I, I like men, you know, I have a good dad and a lot of good male friends and that doesn't change the way I think about him. So I'm good at compartmentalizing in that sense. But in terms of like being a different version of myself, I don't really feel like I do it any more than anyone else and again i think a lot of that comes down to the fact that i live in portland oregon which is like yeah. really liberal and chill and, and you also she, you also don't do in-person sessions so you're, you, you, yeah. you, you have the entire barrier of the internet that's right yeah all my work is online and so um yeah so i i feel like when i first started which i started really young when i was 17 um it got tricky like creating an alter ego before um i even really had my own identity established you know like so i was still figuring out who i was and so it was this weird awkwardness where i tried to keep it like super separate and as i got older and more comfortable with myself like i'm much more like chill and whatever about the fact that i have this alter ego right. and myself i'm not i'm not as worried for instance about maybe just saying something a little more honest um on my twitter or whatever sure. that, um but might not be like sexy or like you know cr lynch or whatever so um and 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 
to my surprise, like I think a lot of guys really like it because a lot of girls mm-hmm. really are in that dom mode and think they can't break out of it ever. Um, and I think they find it really refreshing. It definitely makes it more authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that was a, a huge thing. Actually, I think we, we kind of started that trend, you know, a couple of years ago of kind of, I don't know if it was more are we kind of growing into ourselves or if we just kind of got tired of having to play the character all the time, but of, of pushing more of this the kind of reality thing. And it was nice to see that, you know, a lot of other women in our industry kind of picked that up and were like, oh, it's okay. You know, if, you know, you don't have to play the character all the time. Yeah. You know, but um, I, I do in-person sessions. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also a professional dominatrix, not just a video producer. And I have, you know, a really large dungeon in, in Ohio. And um, so... What's it called? Uh, Wicked Eden. Yeah. Uh, so the documentary is the same name. Yeah, my, yeah, my documentary is also called Wicked Eden. Yeah. Um, and so for me, you know, the compartmentalization of in, in a session is very similar to uh, what it is in a video, except in a video, you know, I'm choosing... I, I get to choose the separate characters and I can, you know, go into my character as, uh, as, as whatever I need to, but it's, you know, it's 15, 20 minutes max. I'm doing two, three, four, six hour sessions. Wow. So I have to have a, um, an idea of, of who I really want to be professionally. That is also me. So I used to look at my identity, at least my professional identity as a suit of armor that I'd step into and then like to go to do battle with. Right. And I was impenetrable to my clients and I had this professional distance that allowed me to uh, take them places, but they're never going to take me a place, right? And what I found that now, as I've gotten older, and I'm I'm really in this pursuit of intimacy, of like authentic intimacy, like it's 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 a big big deal to me personally, is that I made it a big deal professionally. So when I when I meet new clients or even my old clients, and I sit down with them and I talk to them, I talk about their fantasies and their interests. I really want to get inside their head. I want to get and I want to have a connection with that person. And to me, that has completely broken that barrier. So I'm still a professional and compartmentalized but now I'm like I'm getting something real real out of this experience now the end result to them probably isn't much different but to me I'm now stacking these experiences and these memories it's probably energizing yeah what kind of questions will you ask a client if I if I walk Ooh. in, how does that um, process work? I mean, so you know, I, I ask them questions about about themselves, and I usually ask somebody to like, kind of monologue about themselves, which can tell tells you a lot. What someone will tell you, completely cold in the first ten minutes of meeting them, says a lot about how they how they view themselves. Um, but you know, most of the things that I get into is you know is understanding someone's sexual interest and their their fantasies and like what do you fantasize about the most what are the aspects of your fantasy you know what are you going to share with me because most people spend their entire lives having their sexuality not validated and rejected and like hiding it and feeling like you know they can only share so much even if they're in a really good you know intimate partnership like they're married or their girlfriend most people do not share 100 percent of their their sexual like fantasies or identities yeah a ton of shame around it yeah absolutely and so just to be able to sit there and say hey you're you know your your interest your weird you know, uh, weird fantasies are completely okay. Even if I don't necessarily going to act them out in a session or I don't really share them, just saying that it's okay is really valuable. Do you think we would have much of a job if there wasn't shame? We'd have a different job. What would it be? What would it look like? Uh, I still think that, that there'd probably be a lot less um, taboo around a lot of things we do, but I still right. think I still think enacting fantasies, you know, even, because there's lots of people who don't have a lot of shame around what we, about what we do, yeah, but, but like, we can charge as much of our videos, but maybe. Yeah, but you make the point <laughs> that um, 
you know, these guys, uh, they often don't tell their wives or their girlfriends mm-hmm. what they're into. So if there's no shame, then they would just tell them, and then his wife or girlfriend would act him out. Of course, guys still want variety, so there's that. But I think we would have a huge dip in our income if there wasn't any shame or taboo. That's true. But, I mean, I do a lot of sessions with couples, and I've I've actually got, gotten quite a lot of custom. Oh, yeah. No, there's exceptions. I'm and custom videos it, like, for would, couples. So I, I wouldn't say happen. we would make no money, but I think it would we'd take a dip <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. What you think about is super fucked up. You should be really embarrassed about it all. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. That's what I do. I'm right. like, I'm, I go the opposite. She's all about like, oh yeah, it's okay. It's accepting. I'm just like, you're a fucking freak. <laughs> I, I really like, I like to drive home the humiliation of being a cruel bitch. So so take me back into that conversation. So you'll ask them some of these questions. Like mm-hmm. what's a, what's um, a good one that like, you, like taking me into an example of a guy who you've talked to and you're like, so what's a fantasy? Like continue to play out that scene for me. Okay. So usually when, when you ask somebody about their fantasies, unless, unless someone is fairly self-actualized in it, um, which is like, I don't know, maybe 10% of guys. Like, well, here uh, my core sexual means that yeah, I go back to the, my relationship yeah, with they're my usually mother. Like, I want to be dominated. Yeah. They're like, like, like I want to be dominated. Like, okay, so so I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna back up out of that for a minute and be like, so I'm a girl, and you wanted to be in a room with a girl. Okay, so how about more than that? And they're like, okay, okay, so I guess I had to have to give you some, some fodder. Um, is I usually try to so – I've, I've got all these things sort of broken down into core, core fantasy areas and, like, core uh, elements of scenarios, and you can usually put somebody in one of those categories. Like, she's talking about humiliation. Humiliation is, like, a big deal, you know, humiliation, degradation, um, you know, like, a lot of people like the physical aspects of body or blood or butter. So as soon as I can identify whatever it is, then I can start to develop whatever the scene is. Yeah, it's, it, from people who aren't into this stuff, it seems so random, but really, like, when you get into it, you realize, like, a lot of these fetishes have a template with them, and they yeah. can kind of give you, like, a few words, few key words, and you're like, okay, got it, and we Such can, Such like, as? Um, so if a guy, for instance, says, like, oh, I'm a sissy, that alone, I know he probably likes wearing panties. He's probably into chastity. Mm-hmm. He probably has forced by fantasies. Probably likes he corporal probably, spanking. Yeah, yeah. Um, small penis humiliation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just being humiliated and degraded for, um, you know, dressing up as a woman as, as a form of humiliation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Know, and what, like what, are some, what are some of the other templates? Uh, so, like, in-person templates are, like, you know, when a guy's like, I'm really into medical play, for example. And medical play usually means I'm into enemas, I'm into some kind of body examination, I might be into, like, urethral sounds, I might be into, you know, nurse role plays, et cetera, or electrical play, things like that. Um, the harder part for me usually is is the humiliation aspect. So, like, the guy says, I'm, I'm really into humiliation. Humiliation is so relative. That's pretty broad, yeah. What, what, what's embarrassing is, that, like, you know, it's humiliation and degradation and embarrassment. It's, so like, embarrassment's, like, usually, like, the light, the light lightest part of it like we're talking about sissy as oh you're a sissy you know you're wearing you know men you know man a man wearing women's underwear ha 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 and then you get like to like super degradation like you you know you're you don't deserve to live you don't deserve to be in the same room with me i'm going to make you eat the dirt off the bottom of the shoes blah 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 is it what's embarrassing to one person humiliating to one person literally someone else can be like well if you really want me to goddess i will but it does nothing for them <laughs> yeah. right so that's that's the that's the that's the curious template that i find that that you have to kind of navigate will, will you say like what are you most shameful about in your life that you don't tell anyone or what yes you most? i like i like that one i'll have to start using that one that's not one that i use i usually just ask them like what do they think about when they jerk off <laughs> So how does, it, how does it work for you? Like someone will come to your site yeah. and walk me through that process. So um, I do uh, phone sessions and I do webcam sessions. And um, yeah, those are the two like 
live things and um it's pretty similar it's just uh you know you gotta take away the physical aspect so i'm really dependent on my words um which is why i kind of like humiliation it's just like shit talking you know and um like for instance on webcam or in my videos like I, it's just they're about 10 minutes long and it's just me kind of just talking for those 10 minutes and usually wearing something skimpy and kind of teasing with my body a little bit um, yeah, will will you br- will you bring me into like a couple one-liners? Like, let's say you're on the webcam. <laughs> like, what is, <laughs> on how does the that webcam? sound? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, foot fetish is pretty common one foot that fetish. I get. Yeah. So you know, I'll just uh, so let's I'll say I have a foot fetish <laughs> and okay. I just paid to be on your webcam. All right. So but. I, um, you know, I'll, I'll put the camera like on the coffee table and kick my feet up and just say something along the lines of like, "Oh, you're so lucky to be looking at my feet right now. I bet you want to lick them, but you're kissing the screen at this moment." And can you see that? And you can see them. If they want to be seen, okay. I don't really care. A lot of guys are shy. A lot of guys want to be seen, but um, yeah, not necessarily. And then can I ask you, like, mm-hmm. like oh, like put your like wiggle your toes right now, or like what's y- yeah? How does it then like, usually how, what progress? Would they say, yeah, um, yeah, it depends. Like it, it's funny. Like foot fetish is common, but there's all subcategories in it. Some <laughs> yeah. guys like dirty feet. Some guys like, like it when you spread soles. your toes. Some guys like Rrr. some guys like it when you point them. Some guys like shoes. Dirty socks, smelly shoes, so high like, heels. Okay, boots. so they'll be like, oh, like put the smelly socks on, put the smelly socks on. Yeah, and then, and then yeah. you'd be like, yeah, they'll often no. ask like, yeah, do you have any like stinky socks? Which I think is funny because it's like you can't smell them, like <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> smell it through the internet. Yeah, exactly. Smell a vision. Um, like yeah. I feel like next level, like you, you send them like a little Amazon center or something like that. So you're, like, <laughs> press, center. Yeah, or, you know. Yep. Like, <laughs> it's like ooh, fart, ooh. fart smell yeah, or like dirty sock smell. <laughs> oh my God. Well, a lot of guys. Because I also sell like used panties and whatnot, so some guys will like buy my used socks and mm-hmm. then we'll do a webcam session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, More of an inter- interactive yeah. experience. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, hmm. Wild, yeah. right? <laughs> Super Crazy wild. World. Crazy world. <laughs> but th- there's a big difference between doing the videos and then doing any kind of live. Like even if you're in a person session or a, or a live, you know, live webcam session, is that when you're doing a video, you're you're not interacting with a person, right? You you kind of can sometimes conceptually think about like am I being interacting? Oh yeah, with you're a just person? looking at a camera. Which is you're, you're just I mean I'm just looking at the blinking red light on my camera and and making up shit, right? right. And what what's fascinating is that people really think that we've you know we have some kind of magical like you know you must be like a slave that you think about when you do this. No, I'm I'm completely just just creating you know this. Yeah, they think we're like scenario. mind readers, and they don't realize that there are those templates that exist. Yeah, yeah. like you're, speak, you're speaking directly to me. Well, you and everyone else who bought this video. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and going back to the difference between what her and I do with the real-time sessions, because um, you mentioned, like, do you see the guy on cam? And if the guy does choose to be shown, it's usually just his dick, right? On the rare occasion that he shows his face, I find it really jarring, because I kind of find, like, what I do, um, like, there's a total lack of empathy for me, because it's just text, it's just a voice, um, it's just his jerking dick or whatever. Um, and once I see his face, I'm like, oh, shit, this is a real person. So it's like, otherwise, it kind of feels like a video game. Like is, it, is there ever, like, a conflicting moment for you when you see that? Um, like, what's the conversation in your head when you not, when you see this, like, guy who you're like, whoa, I see you walking down the street? It's not really conflicting, but it's just... Um, 
I suppose I get more nervous. It's more like I kind of lose my confidence slightly. I can still do it, but it's like I have a kind of nervous energy in me where I'm like, oh, shit, I'm actually talking to a real person. I imagine what it feels like when you're doing sessions for the first time, like just learning where you're just like, ah. Yeah, that's, 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 that is really hard because I, I, I train girls uh, in my in my studio, and a lot of them have that hard, a really hard time. In fact, they'll spend you know a long time shadowing and trying to like emulate what you're doing. And, and see, I actually find, find it now as, you know, I've been doing this for so long, the more that I'm able to look at that person and read their body language and look at their micro expressions and all that stuff gives me so much more information than usually what their words do. Right. Mm-hmm. But, Makes you know, sense. and so, so a lot of times I have exact exact opposite problem when I'm doing webcam and phone sessions. I'm kind of like, I have no feedback here. This is, right. this is fucking boring. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard when the guy, like sometimes guys are like hiding from their wives or their roommates. So they're like, I can they, only uh, talk to well, you right no, now. They don't talk at all they don't talk at all they're just watching I'm you <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah they're just like like can you just turn on your webcam i'm going to jerk off now and you're like oh, yeah they're oh. just they're just watching you and they expect you to just kind of keep the dialogue going and and i find it sorry i find it um bothersome because it's like yeah when i talk to a guy on the phone like it's it's nice to hear those grunts and those moans and those like feedback you know, yeah, yeah right. just feedback in general because otherwise it's like uh, yeah, i don't know if i'm what i'm doing is right but this is, that's actually another thing that i i, I really want to push more and perpetuate for men is for sexually like and I do a lot of for my clients and I even do like and I say in the videos is that like guys are kind of taught to be stoic and to not be responsive and not be communicative and no one wants a lover that way no one like like that's like men well, are, that goes both way for men and women well yeah I know but I'm saying but like especially with men like like the number of men that I, I've had in sessions who literally will sit there and they will just just not be not responsive at all and I'll sit there and go like okay and I, I don't even say in my interview please be as responsive as you can because especially if I'm doing something that's painful or I'm doing something that's pleasurable, if you just sit there and, and, and have no expression, no emotion, no no response, I'm going to think whatever I'm doing obviously isn't very useful and if it's a painful thing and now all of a sudden we go from zero to like I can't take any more of that, there's nothing there for me. Right. And I've seen this happen now for so many years that I wonder this is must what their sex lives are like. Like it's very much a, pres- a prescribed this is what you're allowed to do, this is how you're allowed to you know, to react, how allowed you're to interact with you know, your, your partner. Well even just with vanilla sex, like men don't make as much noise as women do a lot of times they're just quiet you know and i think that's just a natural <laughs> thing <laughs> is, that, is that your own face there? <laughs> <laughs> my chewbacca face okay so the, there, there's an entire fetish around humiliating a guy for the face he makes when he has an orgasm it's one of my favorite things in the world i didn't <laughs> know that there, yeah, there's an entire yeah. fetish I, I i love doing videos like that and i get a lot of them where the guy's like you know can you let me from the, the face that i'm making it and and i'm from doing in-person sessions i have seen guys have some of the best faces ever and I'm like I just want to take pictures of you so that later in my life I can be like make a little collage <laughs> that's that's a photo that you would look back on yes. yeah screw those Facebook photos just the, the O faces throughout time yep. that's funny do you so I was actually talking to a friend about this regarding voice and orgasm that when you connect voice to an orgasm it deepens the orgasm yes through your body in some way do you know it much about your this own? Yeah, it, de- oh. it deepens your own mm-hmm. orgasm like when you like when your vocal cords are involved uh-huh. oh, I, yeah, I don't know that th- th- there's, there's a reason why you um, um, like especially when you're doing pain play like like flogging or whipping or whatever else to encourage the person to have lots of vocalization actually increases the amount of endorphins as they're released and orgasm um, comes from basically having an endorphin storm it happens in the brain that basically just tips you over. So anything that gets you there faster is always better and it's always going to deepen it. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, you know a lot about this, right? Like, t- take me into what causes an orgasm and that, like, mountain that men climb and then the cliff that we fall off versus so it, the so kind of like... it's actually the same for, for most men and women. We actually, we just had this conversation. We have a, it's a cool group chat with some of our, our really good industry friends. Um, and there's a nerve, and I'm 
the I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it. Uh, it's the same nerve that uh, can stimulate clitoral orgasm as well as uh, penile orgasm, right? Um, and that's like the primary way that most people are able to to get off. Um, and it's basically the same thing. It's a it, it's a stimulation, you know, ramp up. Men can get there a little bit faster because men are able to selectively attend to um, a certain kind of stimulus. It's why like they're kind of designed to be hunters, right? Um, versus having like lots of excess pieces of information, which is why guys when they get distracted often have a hard time keeping their dicks hard, right? Okay, so why then, okay, because I feel like men and women's orgasms are really different because like men, it, once they come, it's like they're just a completely different person. It's just like lights on or off or whatever. And two, uh, men often have to uh, distract themselves to keep themselves, fr or, sorry, what, what am I trying to say? Men will try to, are struggling to not accidentally have an orgasm and women are struggling to concentrate right. to have an orgasm. So, 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 cleaning the toilets. Hanging right, so, out with grandma. Yeah. Cleaning the toilets. Well, so, women, so, it's so, never like, I, I mean... So, so the, the difference is it's a direct connection from the, in that uh, that nerve, right, to in, in the brain. For men, it is not as direct of a connection for women, right? And because we are, are biologically able to, um, uh, to regard threat differently, we get distracted faster, right? So we're literally trying to, to focus, trying to focus as much as we possibly can, and be able to get there. Which is also why we, you know, men are encouraged to use all the other forms mm. of, of stimulation for women. Like women can have different kinds of. I mean, women can too. Um, there's different nerves that, that can help you get to orgasm faster, like you know, like the interior part of the vaginal cavity, and you know, like um, uh, like nipples, and you know, like the other pressure points, and blah blah blah, right? But all you're really trying to do is just overload the brain. It's just that for men, the overload happens faster, right? And in women, the, the more practiced you are at that's why like if you're if you're home alone and you're like in a master with Hitachi sometimes you can do it you can get off in 45 seconds that's true right because w why is that it's just because you you know the process Men are useless. <laughs> <laughs> we need machines yeah there you go um, but it's the same way. Like your your body also is very much trained and responds uh, to the way that you're used to to getting off. So you know because it's, it's it's a practice thing. So guys just sit there and masturbate exactly the same way and do it the same you know the same duration and intensity whatever else and then go to have to have sex. That that will happen the same way. So if a guy is like jerks off for two minutes. Guess what? It's probably not going to have exactly the same length of time having sex. Right. right. Um, but it's even more so in women because we're like we have to get there in our heads. So if I spend, you know, I know how I'm masturbating. Like I'm not distracted by anything. Right. I'm not distracted by anything. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna focus and then I'm gonna get it done. But it's different if you're having a partner. Right. Yeah. How much? How much do you think fe our fetishes go back to childhood? Oh, we were just on my fetish formation last night. Yeah. It's. For men, like, um, well, my understanding, I read, um, uh, well, I think uh, Chris Ryan talks about in his book, Jesse Baring talks about in his book, that uh, men have, like, a sensitive period when they're about, like, nine or ten years old, where their brain is, like, kind of malleable. I'm not explaining this super well, but basically their brain is pretty malleable, so something will happen during that time. Maybe, you know, his sister will stick her foot in his face and then, like that will cement in his mind and then that is his fetish and it's it's really hardwired in men in a way that's not hardwired in women I don't think women are so much more flexible in what they like and men seem to like something and, and maybe they'll like other things as well but there's something they really like and they it's like a broken record that's what they want really every time yeah. and, and you find that even when the, like let's say that you have a returning client who comes mm -hmm. back again and again they love it they're super satisfied with it 
does that fetish then ever become satisfied or do you think that it's just like all right you have this no you're, that's you're who in they the f- are that's who they are well yeah. no, I, I i beg to differ it depends okay. well, you think guys can get over a fetish um well i don't think they get over a fetish but it can it does like changes morphs and and it can uh, evolve yeah and it involves like I mean, i've had i've had lots of clients who came in with a very specific situational kind of fetish you know like and especially when it comes to like uh like domination submission and like really experiencing you know the the power dynamic for them um is that it will go through lots of different iterations, and sometimes they'll go through like you know rises and falls and how and how exciting something is. Have you ever had a, a fantasy that you just fucking wore out? I mean, I've worn out fantasies in my own head, my own head that I right. just like. Yeah, but you're a lady. That's yeah, what we but, do. Like we we need like different things. We get bored. Well, so We're but, but, when it comes to fetish fetish formation, women are situational more so than men are, but both genders share that. Share what? Share situational fetishes. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, like, you know, like, rape fantasy is really common for women, right? It's a situational fantasy. But, like, one of the more common things for a guy is wanting to be pegged or have, like, to have strap-on penetration. That often is usually a situational thing. It's not just the sensation of being penetrated. Right. It's the scene that's playing Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Do you think, um... This is kind of a dark theory, but do you think the fact that rape fantasies are so common with women, do you think that's, like, evolutionary? Because, like... You know, w- w- women were often raped. No, and it didn't matter, and so like, no, I, that I got I, selected. I actually, it's I, it's rape fantasies are much more common in our westernized world, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have a lot of shame around sex, and so women feel very sexually desirable culturally when a man is so turned on that he basically has to has to force himself on you. Right. And so there's a valid. They want to be ravished. Yeah, there's right. a valid. There's a validation in that, and if you want to be, and especially like that's why gangbang fantasies are such a big deal. Like a room full of guys that all want to fuck you. I mean, that's a that's a really validating right. thing on a very primal level. Right. Yeah, makes and, sense. and I'm, I'm sure an important distinction here is that some fantasies people don't actually want acted out. Well, True. many, many right. fantasies. Well, by definition, like many no, fantasies. Yes. By definition, no woman wants to be raped, right? Right. 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 <laughs> Rape literally yeah, yeah. means sex you don't <laughs> want. Right. <laughs> so, but but, yeah, they, but like like Dan Savage suggested, like saying ravish fetish because yeah. that's what it yeah, is. It's exactly. a guy so turned on he can't help himself. Yeah. But you want it like the guy you know right or you know what what the situation i suppose so i find like i recently um moved down to la where marketing is a really you know you're being marketed to all the time you drive down the street you see a sign they're marketing to you in some way and i found that even just in the short time that i've lived down there i've become much more attuned to what people are trying to sell me (laughs) and like i'm becoming more literate in that world and it seems like a big theme in both of your worlds are power dynamics do you find that because you look at the world through that lens so often, you see power dynamics playing out in the world more often in oh, a way that pa- others don't? Power dynamics are everywhere. They're absolutely everywhere. I mean, the, the 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 psychology of selling, for example, is completely about power, right? There's no such thing as equality, but there is such a thing as equity, right? So when we're talking about power dynamics, we're often talking about uh, like people like to use the time power exchange in BDSM, you cannot exchange power. Power is the ability to infect your environment, right? I can't, I can't give you the ability to, to like, I can't make you stronger right now, but I can give you the authority, right, to to basically have have uh, you know an, like a power over me essentially. But when it comes to the power dynamics in the rest of the world, I don't like look around and be like, you look like a slave and you don't look like a slave. <laughs> but I definitely, I, I, do, I mean. Yeah, right. You, you totally do. <laughs> You're like, I don't do this. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there definitely are some. Um, but, 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 you, but you do definitely see, you know, as someone who's like, uh, like my friends call me the man eater, um, I definitely do see like prey, not prey, prey, not prey. And 
that's I think fairly fairly primal, but also somewhat being in tune from just seeing all this all the time, the power dynamic all the time. Do you see that too? Um, I mm, I guess I guess I don't really think about it very much. I definitely see. Um, I recognize people as, as submissive and dominant a lot more. Like I noticed, like for instance, like people who apologize a lot, like stuff like that, like little signs like that. It's like, oh, you're 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 a sub, you're a subby person. But yeah. what's what what most people don't realize is that the vast majority of people are switches. M- most people have both dominant and submissive fantasies, and whatever their their desire usually is, uh, more more going to be around the dynamic and connection they have with the person they're going to be playing with or like the person I'm in a relationship with. Okay. Um, which is why professional domination is such an interesting field because they can, they can essentially experience that full loss of control to them um, without having the connection of intimacy in the relationship. Right. And a lot of times that like intimacy breeds or a familiarity breeds contempt, you know, that kind of thing. So like, they can't ask their wife or their girlfriend or their whatever to come in and treat them the way that they want us to treat them, right? And it, give, it gives us the ability, the, uh, the you know, freedom to say that, you know, because I'm like, well, I don't know you, you know. Now, what's different for me is that I'm trying to bridge that gap of basically saying, no, I want to have an intimate connection with you. And I also want to explore this fantasy and I want you to know that they're OK. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about how you've kind of made this shift into more authenticity into yourself while still playing mm-hmm. a character. How does that show up differently, even if it's just in internally in your mind? Like, how does the conversation in your mind play out differently now uh, as opposed to when you first started out? I ask myself now a lot what do I want to do right now what do what 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 do I what am I actually trying to achieve when I first started I kind of did very much like you did when you're like creating this persona and I made this persona that was like cold and austere and like unfeeling and was like this ice queen in fact you know my you know my name Alexandra Snow like I made this like you know bitchy you know snow queen right and I found that uh you know that cut me off from everything and now I kind of come into both my play and my videos going what do I feel like doing today what's authentic to me like what's the you know I mean and sometimes I'll go in and I'm gonna record a bunch of videos and like I have a custom video and I'm trying to do it and I'm like I don't fucking feel like doing this today I'm gonna record something else or I'll go into like a session with a client and the client's like hey you know could we could we do blah 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 here's my ideas and it's, they, they don't ever command me it's like a request and I'll say you know I, I'm not really feeling this today let's try something else but as long as I'm approaching it from a place that I'm trying to you know have have a good exchange with that person it always goes well I'm guessing you can be a lot more instinctual about it now that you have oh, yeah. that kind of experience mm-hmm. so can you think of um a really satisfying experience that you had anytime recently where like a client came to you and you're like, fuck yeah, this is why I do what I do. Okay. So when I, when I go too long without having sessions or without playing, I, I get, I get a little pent up. So I, I know that there's a, a part of me that really needs to be able to exercise that. And recently I, um, the uh, domination aspect yeah, specifically. Yeah. So recently, you know, I, I, I've been doing a lot of travel. Um, and it's not just the domination, but like, yeah, it's domination. Yeah. I mean, Okay, it is. I'll call a spade a spade. But I, so I've been doing a lot of travel. And when I when I travel, sometimes I do sessions, but not frequently. So I came back from Iceland, and um, because I'd been prepping and I was getting ready for Burning Man and all this stuff, I went to Iceland in July. I hadn't done a session in a while, and the client a client had booked a session for with me. Like I don't know, maybe a couple of days after um, we had a party coming back from Iceland. And he was like, I, you know, I, I, I'm really just craving whatever hard use that you can, you can put me through. And, you know, and I've, I've been seeing this client for, you know, 
well, for years. And so I, I had a pretty good read on him, but I was just able to absolutely let loose on him. And I wasn't like really physically cruel, but I knew that he wanted me to kind of like unleash. And I was completely pent up. I mean, I was like dragging him across the floor and like shoving his head into corners and like, you know, doing all sorts of things. And, and it was just really, really creative because, you know, I had all that energy spent up. And this is, this is traveling or is this in your Oh, this, was, oh, this was in Columbus. Yeah. Okay. When, I, when I came back home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Doing traveling sessions is a lot more work than people think it is. So like, oh, you can just do, just do a hotel room session. And it's like, I have a 4,000 square foot dungeon with all of the accoutrement. I don't want to pack any of this stuff in a suitcase and then try to like do this bullshit hotel room session. I want you to come to my dungeon and have a full experience. Yeah. Yeah. And how about you? Can you think of an experience that you've had where you're like, yes, this is why I do what I do? Um, well, just going back to the authenticity thing, um, I think Alex and I are different in that she really is, like, an alpha woman. Like, she is dominant. Like, she, like, commands just presence and attention and all this. And oh, I'm you. more, like, laissez-faire, go with the flow, pretty chill. So, like, that story she described, like, I don't know, I, I, I don't really have a situation where I'm like, oh, I'm so pent up, I have to, like, unleash this. So, when it comes to my phone sessions or webcam sessions, um, the, the idea of, like, I'm going to do something authentic here, it's like, no, I'm, I'm playing out yeah. this guy's fantasy. And that's fine. Like, I, I have fun with it, especially if the guy gives me feedback, he's really responsive and, you know, enjoys it. Like, that's really nice and receptive. Um, but the way I think my authenticity, you know expresses itself is that um i'm really on like i keep a blog and i'm all right entries where i'm just like all uh, like a couple years ago I, I wrote a big entry about um the awkwardness of telling people what i do for a living for the first time and how um it's difficult it was difficult for me for a long time uh being in a situation where i was meeting new people and having to, to decide very quickly whether i would tell them the truth or i would lie to them and you have to decide that quickly because it's one of the first questions people ask you mm-hmm. and um it created just kind of this anxiety for me whenever i was like in that situation and then you know um and also when you decide to lie to them you kind of make the decision to that you're going to keep this person at arm's length you know mm-hmm. because you know it's like i can never really get to know you unless you you know own up to it and be like uh you know by the way I, this isn't really what i do but anyways it created kind of an anxiety and um and i just decided one day that i was just going to be honest with people and as awkward as that might be in the moment it like it alleviated that right. that low level anxiety that i was always feeling so i wrote about that in my blog which is something that's um you know most girls wouldn't want to talk about like the anxiety of telling people we do for a living um i also write a lot about how um how I see this uh, how I see what I do as a business and I talk about that like a a lot of times there I don't know this isn't as big a deal as it used to be but um, in the online scene like there's a big deal about being a quote unquote real dom like are you real is this really what you're into and um, you know like real doms as opposed to phony doms and, and, and I and used and to get it's a very very specific prescribed thing is what a real dom does well, doesn't and, and do everyone has their own interpretation yeah, yeah, or whatever really but, but but a lot of it is are supposed to be like do you really enjoy this you know um and once I started like making money and all this like I kind of had you know fuck you money I suppose and I got to the point I was like I don't care if I'm a real dom or no I don't care so much about being real as I care about being good at and I'm good at mm-hmm. this you know so whatever I don't care like you're right I'm not a real dom but I'm good at this and so well no to write about I that and talk about like what I do as a business I think that's kind of where my authenticity I, I, I get where you're coming from but I believe that the idea of being dominant is just the ability to choose and to say 
I choose to do this. It's what I it's what I want to do. Makes it a bit of a validating dominant choice. I I, I get what you're saying, but um, I mean, because it's, it's kind of the same thing for me. Like I, there's so many days that I go and I don't want to fucking record these videos. I want to do this. There's a reason that I don't do a lot of phone and webcam sessions is I don't find them to be as you know as satisfying as satisfying, right? But I still do them. And when I do them, it's a lot of you know it's a lot of acting. It's a lot of like you know trying to get there. I'm not going to get that same kind of contentment. But you know what? I really like money. Yeah, you're going I, to work. I, and you know what? Yeah, every, every, and, and, every, and every time that I'm doing my job, I feel a good sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I'm really fucking good at this. Um, but I also look at every time that I'm doing something that I'm not really genuinely fulfilled by, it gives me an avenue to do something I am genuinely fulfilled by, you know? Yeah, because we have multiple revenue streams. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so, e- really so even nice. then, like, that makes it fulfilling because yeah. I'm like, yep, going to get where I want to go here. Yeah. Uh, how do you decide how to price yourself? Uh-huh. Um, I price it as high as possible and see if it works. And then, you know, the market kind of tells you. Yep. For a while, I was like really undercutting. I didn't realize it until one of my peers who I'd say like the same level I am was like, like, for instance, I was, I was selling webcam shows for $5 a minute. And she was like, days. I do it for 10. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I started charging for 10. No one complained. I was nope. like, oh, well, I guess I was really undercutting. I, 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 I had the same thing. Well, we're, we're also, we're such headliners in our industry that we can kind of start to set pricing. So, you know, we start within reason with it. Yeah. Within reason. There's always going to be girls who will, you know, try to undercut you. But they, if they, some guy wants, you know, wants something very specific from one of us, we can almost kind of charge whatever we want. Um, but it's more about what do you, what, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to, I mean, like for me, I'm going to keep selling my videos around the same price, but I'm also have a, a, web, a membership website and you know, I'm, but my membership website is pretty expensive. Um, but when it comes to like my, my per minute stuff, like I, I raised my, my session rates two years ago and guys still complain about it. And you know what? I'm not going to go back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Will, will you say how much they are? Or would you rather keep that private? Uh, sure. Yeah. So my, um, my area is 350 for the first hour and 300 for a second. Uh, and I, I do it so that I really, and I don't do one hour sessions anymore. I really encourage, you know, two, two hour and longer sessions. Um, and so there's like a bit of a sliding two, two scale. Two hours straight. And, and this yeah. is on, online sessions? Oh, no, no, no. That's in-person sessions. In-person sessions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm the same thing. I do, I do $10 a minute, you know, phone and webcam and, and stuff Isn't like that. Isn't that crazy? You can charge so much more. Over webcam, over webcamming, yeah, yeah, as opposed to in person, yeah, and 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 so that's something I was always kind of fascinated by. But the yeah. difference, the difference is, is that it's a two-hour or four-hour whatever session, and I really enjoy, yeah. I really enjoy what I'm doing rather than sitting that sitting in on you know in front of a computer for four hours, yeah. which you know I may yeah. not be a grind. Yeah, and and so if I were to go to your website, uh-huh. what's your website called? Uh, CRLynch.com. And what would what would that rate be for a uh, webcam session. Ten dollars a minute. Ten dollars a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was just reading this book um, called Pitch Anything. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in LA and I'm like I'm pitching this TV show, and the um, the main core tenets that he was talking about was we want what we can't have, we chase that which moves away from us, and we only value it if it's expensive. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It, uh, um, value value or what's it? Uh, luxury luxury pricing in our industry is legit. Yeah. I, yeah. It, 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 start, it starts at $150 to get a custom video with one of us. So, uh, 250 speak for yourself. <laughs> um, you're, you're 250 now? Oh, yeah. Um, so I have a great like story in that regard. Like, okay, so when I first started... She does a lot of financial domination that I don't. Well, that's so. not what I'm about to talk about. So Come on. when I first started, um, I, would, I started out selling my used underwear and socks and like that sort of thing. And I got into this mode where I wanted to see like all the crazy things I could sell. So I sold like my toenail clippings and used tampons and hair for my hairbrush and all this stuff. And I sold a guy my shit for $100. And after I did that, like I was like, 
okay, like, cool. I can say, I can check that off my Sky's bucket list. Sky's the limit. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but I was like, uh, I was like, I could check that off my bucket list. I'm probably not going to do it again because I don't want to deal with my shit. Use panties and socks are much more pleasant. Yeah, so, it, it, it's, so, un- it's unpleasant to try to bottle your own so, waste. <laughs> um, so after that happened, like, guys would ask me, like, can I buy your shit? Can I buy your shit? And I would give them just the craziest price. Like, just exorbitant amounts of money and they're just like what the fuck like no or like i'm like that's fine i don't care like because i i make money in other ways and um you know for years i would tell people this if, if they asked you know and i just like it's okay you don't have to pay it you know it doesn't matter because i have other ways of making money and uh yeah finally 10 years later some guy was like okay and he bought my shit for four thousand dollars and he bought it twice in a year so yep you never know happens, like yep. luxury prices i mean it might take 10 years but she who cares less wins the negotiation. Exactly, yeah. And especially when you're playing the long game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get the same thing with like custom videos because like my, my videos start out at that at that rate, but that's but it's usually up up to you two fifty. Most of my stuff goes up. You can up, up to, it. I know, and I do. Most of my stuff is at twenty to twenty five dollars a minute because they always because there's always more things they want. You know, then I, I only charge them the, the base rate if it's something I'm basically already going to shoot. And it's already going to go in my store, so I'm basically just going to get paid twice for the same video. Um, but is that I'll get guys that'll, that'll, that'll email me, they'll want a custom video, and they'll balk with the price originally. And then three months later, they'll come back, and they'll get the same same thing, and they'll be like, and then they'll ham and haul over it. And six months later, you know, they're like back, and then they want to pay it. And what's happened is that this happened when I raised my prices for in-person sessions, is that I had guys who were kind of tire kickers before, and then when my, my rates were increased, they really, really wanted me to go back. Like, well, but you, I talked to you, like, last year, and, and you know, I thought you could, could I, could I, could I get it then? Bro deal. Yeah, because I mean, to see me, to just, to see me in person, starts out at 650, right? Like, it's, it's, it's not, not a small chunk of change for, for many people, most people, right? Um, so, you know, then all of a sudden they're like, like, well, but, but, but your prices, I found, you know, I went and like your old version of your website on Wayback Machine shows that your prices were less than, I was like, do you understand inflation? Right. Is inflation a thing to you? Yeah. Do you understand? I don't care. Yeah, and, 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 you're like, talking like, to me now and this is my price now. Okay. And, and <laughs> um, I, was, uh, I was listening to a podcast a while ago with a, a photographer named Chase Jarvis. He does really high-end um, like adventure photography. He does all the big Nike campaigns. He said something that always stuck with me. He says, if you're the $500 guy, the company will call you when they have $500. If you're the $5,000 guy, they'll call the $5,000 guy. They're not going to call the $500 yep. guy when mm-hmm. they have $5,000. It's in in our industry. There's um, there's no quali- There's not there's not a, a, an understanding of what qualifications make are, are equivalent to money. So in almost every other skilled, uh, like like skilled trade, you think if it's a five thousand dollar photographer, he must be a really amazing photographer, right? Guys don't necessarily think that. They're like, you're a hot girl, and I want you know, and I want you to to do this weird thing. They don't think of, oh, you're so much more expensive because you have so many years of experience, or you're or this or that or any of those things. So sometimes they'll they'll sit there and argue with you about it, and we don't I don't argue. I wonder if you get that more than I do because I don't really experience that as much. Like I'm so surprised that the older I get, the more money I make. I thought like oh yeah, it's I a would huge, be huge like, increase. I thought like. Yeah, the next pretty young face would come along, men like variety, like, I, you know, this would be, like, a real finite thing. And it is finite, you know, in general, but um, I don't know. I'm shocked by it. It does seem like guys really value the fact that we know what we're doing because it's more than just you know fucking and sucking on camera oh yeah um it's you know it's mental head games and stuff like well, that and, and there's there's prestige to it too now so and, and, and guys see oh you're really popular oh you've been around a long time oh you're really successful so all those things do play into it but i don't think that there is the association between how much we charge and the skill set 
Mm. I'm saying I don't, I don't I don't think most of them really equivalent that because when I, for for example in my dungeon I have you know the girls that that, that work for me all have um, different different levels of of what they charge or what what we charge for them. And it has to do with what it reflects their experience level, right? And a lot of times the guy will like will will opt to go for the cheaper girl just because he's like, well, well, you trained her, so I'm sure that she knows what she's talking about. And then we'll afterwards come back and be like, well, I probably should have got the session with you. Like, well, yeah. yeah, but but initially they don't have that that idea. Oh, see, I don't experience that as much. Maybe that's because I'm like more of a financial dominate yeah. dominatrix. So it's like, fuck you, I want your money. <laughs> is is that a core theme of your business? Kind of, yeah. It's it's I, I started out that well, I started I started out the song my used panties and stuff, but when kind of moved on to the femdom thing, I, like that was definitely a, the high part of my brand. Um, so yeah, I, I have the ability to just like be like, if you don't want to pay it, fuck off. And for the most well, part, do, guys I don't do complain. That too. They yeah. know that about me. Like they know not to try and negotiate or complain right. about prices because it's like I'm a financial dominatrix. Like you're not. Gonna I mean, only, with me. now that I have an assistant who responds to my email, now she gets to be the one who says fuck you, and it's very much like I'm sorry, Miss No's Miss, you know, it's not worth Miss No's time at that rate. Nice. And it's like that's an even bigger burn to me. I don't even have to be like <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to justify myself at all anymore. So what is financial domination? Financial domination is when a guy uh, gets off on giving a woman his money. That's the fetish. Um, and usually, I know it sounds like kind of, that in and of itself is really rare. Usually it encompasses a lot of other fetishes like um, humiliation or like a blackmail fetish. Exploitation. And, it, and essentially in those forms, it's really just a guy overpaying you know like you we have our like basic rates and a guy will kind of get off on sending even more money in combination with you know being humiliated or, 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 ha- or having to send gifts but in, or, it, yeah. but in its purest form and it's rare but some guys do like they will just send me lots of money and I, like i'm not even talking to them i'm not really communicating with them mm-hmm. and they, they just get off on on giving me the money sex and money we have a lot of weird relationships yeah. about both so when you can well, marry the two well especially when it comes to like the world of, of online domination you know, like for me, it's a little different because I'm like when I get to play with a person in person, I can actually exert some kind of, of control over them. Online, you can turn your computer off. You don't have to do what the girl's telling you to do, right? But money is a very, um, you know, it's a very finite view of like of your how much you've exerted yourself on the world, how much of like how, what your work is worth, right? So to give it to somebody else is very much like you're giving them power. So it it feels kind of exploitative. You know, in a way, I, I, I enjoy the mental part of financial domination, but unfortunately doing, doing a lot of in-person domination, there's, you know, and like blackmail and stuff has some, like some sticky stuff when it comes to morality. So I'm kind of like, it's illegal. <laughs> yeah. You know, blackmail is kind of legal. And, and to me, like, I, I, I don't ever want my clients, um, to believe that I really will, um, you know, I really will out them to their, their families because that destroys the bubble of trust that, they, that I need them to have. Yeah. And it's funny cause there's the bubble of trust, but there's also the tricky part of guys that want it to feel real like they're like no i want this to be where i want to do it and it's it's going back to you know men's orgasms like they want it when they're horny and then they freak the fuck out when they're not they're like oh don't post these pictures i really gave this guy yeah i really gave this woman my wife's phone number and i asked her to like ruin me i asked her to keep this up like don't for you know for months and months like don't you know keep this going take me into that situation like some a client will so what happens with and to be fair like most of these guys will actually send fake information but some of them because you know they want to feel real um you know they'll message message you online and be like i want you to blackmail me and then they'll Typically, they want, like, oh, seduce the information out of me, whatever. Yeah. If a guy's just, like, really horny and reckless, he'll just, he'll send me, for instance, his wife's email address or phone number or boss, and then, like, some kind of incriminating picture, some picture of him, like, dancing around in panties or sucking on some 
Craigslist dick or whatever. And then from there, the guy wants to be blackmailed. So, you know, you're in a position of power where it's like, I can out you to your wife or your boss or whatever. Um, and then from there, like, he wants you to, um, well, the fantasy, I suppose, like, once you know, once like a, a daily tribute or a weekly tribute or, or some amount of money and then an even bigger amount of money to like get out of the whole situation. Um, and they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll come up with these fantasies and they're really exciting to them at the time. And it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, like it, it goes back again to the, like men are like cognitively impaired when they're horny. It's like Anthony Weiner. It's like, what the fuck is he doing? Like he, he's sending like dick pics to women and he has this whole political, you know, career. He has a yeah. wife. And it, it, it fucked him up, and then he did it again. You know, like so. Guys can be really dumb when they're when they're horny, and they just do. If if their fetish is having their life ruined, they could fucking ruin their that's life. True. Um, and that's something women don't do. They just don't. You I know. Mean, I mean, I think between the two of us, the amount of information we probably have on people, like authentic information, like it's catalogs and catalogs. I have. I have. So when I do so to kind of protect myself here when I do like blackmail fetish stuff what I do is like um, a guy will buy 10 minutes and it's all fantasy it's all play I'll be like oh I'm gonna out you or I might even say like oh I did I just emailed your wife this is what I said I don't actually do anything once the 10 minutes are over like that's it you know and, yeah. and they want you to kind of keep it up they want you to like text him and be like threaten them and, and get them excited no, no they're paying for the allotted yep. time and then also I do um, videos where I, you know, I'm talking to the camera and um, I am uh, coaxing, seducing the guy out of his information. I tell him to open up an email, you know, and put my email address in there, write subjects, blackmail information. And then I'll say, like, give me your wife's number, give me your boss's, you know, post picture or attach some pictures. And then for the rest of the video, I'm seducing him, you know, I'm encouraging him, I, you know, I'm telling him to jerk off, getting him really excited. And then yeah, I, I tell him that the only way he's going to come is if he sends me the email. So... I get emails all the time, man. Oh my god, all so many. All the time, all the time. Yeah, so many. Yeah. And I mean, and, and most of the time, the, the, the biggest difference. I think they're is mostly fake. Some of them have partial information. Sometimes will give me like some guys will give me like half a social well, security <laughs> number, or half a phone yeah. number, or whatever. Well, you, you can tell the the ones that are fairly real though are the ones that the guy freaks out about having sent it to you and emails you. Can you please delete that, delete that email? Please don't, please don't tell anybody. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe I sent this to you. And I've got like a, a thing that I usually send them. Basically, is you know like. I enjoy blackmail as a fantasy. I enjoy like this, this fantasy thing, but we need to have a real talk here for a second. I, I will exploit you inside the fantasy and inside this like these parameters. But one, you're going to be paying me for the time that we're doing it. Like it's your, you know, it's part of your session time. And also, you need to understand that if I actually ruin you, if I actually destroy you in this this way, you're no longer a client of mine. Okay, I'm I'm literally cutting off my own my own foot here. Your yeah. your source of income. So. As for as long as that you're, you know, like you're a whole kind of shooting yourself in the yeah, foot. I'm yeah, like, am I, am I actually going to do it? And I also, want you to keep your job. Yeah, <laughs> I want you to keep your job. Now, I have taken that, like my the blackmail stuff, and used it as a way to for self improvement for some of these guys. Uh, basically, saying I'm gonna, I, I will out you, and I will email your wife. I will email this thing if you do not, if you don't stop some of your self destructive behavior. Such as, um, like guys who, um, I, I, I had, I had a financial domination guy who told me that he was spending his child support and oh, I, that's fucked up. and I and I lost it. I absolutely lost it. And I, and he wanted, he he almost made it out to like at first like it was a like it was a big deal. And you're convinced that was real because that, that's some guys you don't know because they'll say stuff like that, but it's part of the fantasy, you know. I, I I've been talking to this guy for months and months, uh -huh. and he was finally like he, he had he had like a car repair or whatever, and he was like, but don't worry, goddess, you know, I I'm my 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 child support can be late this month, and it was made as if it was like not a big deal, uh -huh. and and so and I was like, I want you to send me your bank account information, like not and I would. 
I just like to, I just want you to see your bank statements. I want to see what you're spending. And I saw that he was like there was all this stuff that he was basically you know like spending beyond. He was like he was emptying his account. He was had all these overdraft charges and stuff. And I was like, guess what? I'm gonna fucking ruin you if you don't stop all of this behavior. So either either we're gonna put you on this path and we're gonna put you on this plan, or you can just you know say sayonara to it. And it did. It actually worked for him. And what happened is then I made more money off of him. And start drinking green juices and start meditating yeah. for ten minutes Great. a day. Do your fucking Black yoga. People yeah. and Do your yoga slave. Yeah. Join that CrossFit gym. <laughs> so um, you're both very financially successful. You seem like you're not very into stuff though, and more into like life experiences. What do you yeah. travel? Do you, it's yeah, all what, about the travel. Yeah, you're a traveler. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, that's true. I. I like I said, I got rid of a bunch of my stuff recently, and I need to kind of do a few more flushes. But, um, yeah, one of the things you find, at least I found, when I started, like, making more money and, and pretty much had the ability to buy whatever, whatever I want. wanted. Like, you know, we have a wish list and stuff. Stuff became a burden, man. Like, I, people buy things off my wish list, and it's like, oh, i got to open these boxes and get the cardboard away. And then this is just a thing that oftentimes I don't even use. Yep. I have to take care of it. Like, it's just a hassle. So okay, Occasionally, it's not a hassle. Like, we, we, we kind of floated most of our Burning Man stuff on off of wish list stuff. Like, when you actually really do need it, like, it's a great thing. Yeah, if it's stuff you need. But yeah. I get a lot of crap I don't need, and it's stuff that it's cool stuff. It's like, oh, another new laptop, another new iPad. and um, But it's... It, <laughs> this is like the most champagne fucking problem here but <laughs> whatever um it does it just like oh this is just another thing that i have to worry about that's just taking up space um and yeah well, i, I kind of started seriously traveling um in my late 20s and yeah i just really fell in love with it and i was like man this is the way i should be spending my money so i like to spend my money on traveling i like to spend my money um uh, well, just investing it, I suppose. Like, I, I, I paid off my house, like, as quickly as possible, and, and I try to invest it and, like, feel like I have that kind of security. Um, and that, that makes me feel so much better than well, was buying there, another was, handbag. Was there a trip in your late 20s that really uh, gave you the bug? Yeah, I went to Thailand for six weeks. What was that like? Um, it was mm-hmm. it was amazing. I, um, I went there, met up with a friend, and um, I had... I mean, I have like, like there's a big market out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about actually most of Asia is our websites are blocked, so we don't get a lot of customers mm-hmm. from Asia. But um, and I, it, it's weird because I actually spent a year in Japan as an exchange student when I was 17, and I'm surprised that didn't more like I didn't kind of catch the travel bug earlier. I guess that was just kind of a different experience because I was a minor and had host families and was really protected, so I didn't really feel like that travel freedom that I can now as an adult. Um, but yeah, I went to Thailand. It was, it was kind of the first time just traveling, backpacking by myself and met up with a friend who was there for like, were there with me for about three weeks. And then she went home for Christmas and then I was by myself and just immediately met someone else that was like super rad. And we ended up traveling together and, um, it's awesome. Like it's, that's just one of my favorite things. And I, and I really love traveling by myself because I feel like, um, I'm, you know, you, you meet new people and then when you're constantly, um, experiencing novel things together, just one after another, like, let's go hike up, you know, this waterfall, let's do this, let's try this food, let's, you know, almost get robbed or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. like, or dangerous situations, like, I almost... I almost got drowned in a kayak with my friend at the time, and it like just bonds you really hard. Yeah, shit. And sh- I remember, um, amazing. Or, uh, th- my friend that I was that I had met um, after my friend from home left, 
we spent like two weeks together and one point we're like hiking around we're having all these just like deep conversations and and he said something and and he kind of almost backed up to um explain himself a little bit but then he stopped and he's like oh you've known me a long time you know what i mean and i'm like dude i've known you two weeks <laughs> you know right. but he, he was like you know what i mean i'm like no i totally know what I, you mean but yeah. it's just funny because yeah you you just bond with people in, in a way that you don't when I mean, you're just living your normal everyday life yeah you can That's assume true. a kind of closeness that you don't need to earn yeah. because you see all these different versions of people mm-hmm. in, a, in a more condensed time period my dad always told me he's like he's like kyle like Never marry a woman before you travel with her. Yeah, that's, that's a good piece of advice. And actually, it was it great. Was, it was yeah. her. It was her traveling that inspired me to um, get divorced, and wow. um, and start traveling myself. Not not I didn't get divorced because of being inspired to travel, but I was your, uh, your marriage was on the rocks. My, so. my 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 marriage was on the rocks. It was more of a a marriage of um of a like partnership of, of raising stepchildren um, but I, I couldn't travel based on, on the, the life that I had and uh, she had just started doing you know doing some of these amazing adventures and that was a big dream of mine and I, and I had this like crisis moment of sitting there looking at the pictures and she was posting and how all these amazing things and this person that I really really loved right and going I make enough money to do this too. Why am I not doing it? No. And so I, I even took it like a little one step further. Um, so I'm two, two years out of out of mine, uh, out of my marriage, and I went and lived in France for half the year last year. I was like, fuck it, I will live in another country. I want to, right? And and those are things you you really can do. What drew you to France? Um, a dude. A dude. Well, no, a little bit. Come on. It was, it a was, guy. It was, it was, it was immediately a bit. moved in with a guy. <laughs> I, I moved in a guy because it was convenient. It's really hard to get your own place in Paris. Um, but I didn't move there for him. I wanted to live abroad. Uh, I did. I, I had my first big serious backpacking trip, kind of like what she kind of she did in Thailand. And I had like a little bit of a travel romance. But I also just really fell in love with just not living in the United States anymore, right? And I was and I was in love with my own. I was drunk with my own sense of freedom. Yeah. Um, yeah. And do you think? I don't know. Do you think you kind of made a little bit of a mistake confusing visiting a place compared to living at a place? Absolutely. That is the thing yeah. that, like, I... I well, and I, I also, I, I visited France three days after the Bataclan attacks. I was in Paris when oh, I was wow. at the Bataclan attacks. And I fell in love with this city that was wounded and hurt. And I was, I was like in the city, like communicating with people and like, you know, really sharing their stories and feeling very much part of this culture. Right. And, and these people were really opening up to me. And then when I moved there three months later, I found that they were back to being asshole Parisians and no one was very open and that I didn't really get along well with the culture as much as I thought I would. And I, and, and the, I, you know, I, I, I liked I liked the guy that, that I was with okay but he was it, he was a a, a a season a small season of the adventure that I was having and uh, you know so when I, and I came back home backpacking trips can really change people mm-hmm. oh, I've, yeah. I've found that like it's it's so silly that like putting some stuff in a backpack and walking for a distance in nature so consistently, shifts people in a lasting way like almost on like a like people talk about like doing ayahuasca like Mm. i would say that doing like the john muir trail or something like that has impacted as many people as i know as people who have had intense psychedelic experiences that's interesting i believe that have you done ayahuasca yeah i have cool yeah i um actually was just down in uh rhythmia it's um the first medically licensed ayahuasca treatment center in the world yeah. and I, I went down there with with uh with dr chris? dr chris ryan yeah. yeah and um it's very well set up they have um 
you know, they have shaman and this kind of reverence for the past. They have massages. They have colonics. It's a really interesting story. I I forget what episode number it is, but I think it's called I Took Ayahuasca in Costa Rica. And Uh it's a... uh, I did three podcasts. One was with... um, the head doctor of um, this this treatment center called Passages in Malibu, and he he had been there for years and years, and the, I mean you know the efficacy of drug rehab is super low. Right. Um, it's something like eleven percent of mm-hmm. people actually stay clean, and um, he was the primary psychiatrist for a guy um, named Jerry, who at one point owned the largest plastic surgery company in the world, mm. um, and he was addicted to Demerol. He was an alcoholic, had fuck you money, yeah. and hated himself. He went to Costa Rica and used a boga, and it was this a guy I, I, I think I heard his, his podcast with Chris, Chris yeah Chris he, did it he was like yes. a, a, like a wife beater too it sounds yes. like Su- just abusive scumbag super it's, abusive yeah, yeah. and uh, you bo- wouldn't guess that by the interview I mean talk about like someone who's completely changed his life wow. so he sold the plastic surgery business he has put all of his money into this place Rhythmia yeah. now that um, has plant medicine and a very in- integrative System, so it's it's technically a medical center. So you have to stay there for a week. Mm-hmm. And um, I did the the third podcast. It was a series. Was with this woman named Nicole who does breath work. She's a, a breath work facilitator um, using this technique called transformational breathing. And mm-hmm. holy shit, if you ever do a transformational breathing session, that is another one that I think is as impactful as mm. as psychedelics. It's this. What's that like? So it's like a. Um, they use this this concept called entrainment. Uh-huh. So you basically do this fast rhythmic breathing, almost like hyperventilation, except the the focus is on the inhale instead of the exhale. And you lean back, and she's the facilitator, and you, you breathe kind of like this, like. And after like ten minutes, all of a sudden, it it pulls a lot of this energy that is in there. You know, a lot of this trauma that's in there that we usually can't access out and i i'll say that like personally like i within 15 minutes started shaking and crying and was transported back to this moment where i had broken my arm i've broken this arm three times uh skateboarding and i was transported back to this moment in the hospital and the anesthesiologist was giving me the iv and all of a sudden my left arm started shaking but in a good way. Like, I felt like I was releasing this insane amount of trauma. Wow. And wow. Um, it was super therapeutic That does sound like ayahuasca. It, like it was purging, very, yeah. very similar, that that kind of, like, lasting healing that I felt. And, yeah, they, they set this center up, um, and they have all these amenities. And it's it's really cool that it exists. That's rad. Yeah, yeah it sounds really cool, everything I've heard about it. Yeah, I think that, like, anything that we can do, whether it's using psychedelics effectively mm-hmm. or using nature, I think that's a, a big one, as we were yeah. talking about, and the breath. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think connective human experience is also really good for that. And I, 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 People don't spend enough time really getting inside other people's head and heart spaces, and I think that uh, that's also really transformative. It's sexual healing, for sure. I mean, I... Well, it's essential. I, I mean, I we're would, social yeah, animals. So essential, yeah. yeah. And I mean, the the amount of shame that most people have around sex, around their fantasies, like, it definitely bleeds out into other aspects of their life. Oh, and I mean, I would, uh, that, that, that in itself is a kind of trauma. 
I think it's a huge kind of trauma. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the amount of people who you have fundamentally shifted is way more than you know, but are there any I hope, stories? I hope so. Are there any stories that you can think of of like people who have changed their lives as I a result? I actually, I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me again because I do everything online, so it's hard to tell like what you know, what what guys are really going through. But <laughs> in the same vein, there's a guy. Um, so I I don't do sessions, but on rare occasions, sometimes I'll use a guy in my videos, and um, usually just like you know lick my shoes or whatever. And there's a guy who. Um, likes being kicked in the balls that I know uh, contacted me and he, whenever I go to Vegas for the AVNs the adult video network convention um, he's also a professional poker player so he always arranges his, his trips around the same time and we do videos where I just kick him in the balls and man this guy has like nuts of steel like my <laughs> foot hurts more than his nuts <laughs> It's crazy. I, I kick him and I kick him and I kick him as hard as I can. And he'll kneel over and I'll say, stand up and he'll stand back up and just takes it. It's crazy. So that's all we do, right? Like we have these sessions. Sometimes whatever. We'll have dinner afterwards. Chat a little bit. Changing uh, change the world. One ball kick well, at a time. Right? And I, I don't think much of it. Like I know it's his kink. So I'm sure he's just thrilled. He loves it. He's always really happy about it. Um, but I randomly got an email from him. And, and again, like we never really talk outside of it. It's always just around AVN time that he contacts me like, Hey, you want to shoot some videos? I'm like, yeah, sure. And otherwise I don't really hear from him, but I got an email from him randomly and he was like, Hey, I just, I just want to, you know, check in and say that I was thinking about you. I went to Peru and did some ayahuasca and all I could think about was just how happy I am that I met you and like just the experience we've had together. Like it was a really like sweet, like emotional, Aww. like appreciative email that I got. And I was just like, I was so taken aback by it. I was like, wow, you did ayahuasca and you're thinking of me the whole time. The girl who kicks you in the balls once a year. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah, um, that's great. Thank you both so much for sitting down and chatting with me. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, so my primary website is goddesssnow.com. Uh, my portal site is Alexandra Snow, but goddesssnow.com is the best best way to, to reach me. And when's the doc coming out? Uh, yeah. we're, wanting, we're wanting to do film festivals with it, and uh, and so I'm, I'm not certain if it's going to be... It definitely won't be before the end of this year, so I'm sure it'll be sometime in 2018, uh, depending on... on Sweet. It's it's been it's been a lot of hurting cats to get all of the other girls uh, that we need to get interviews with done. Yeah. And you? Um, CiaraLynch.com. C-E-A-R-A-L-Y-N-C-H. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Same name. Yep. Same here. I'm I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Domino Snow. All right. Yeah. Cool. Let's Thanks, go. Kyle. Let's go get Dusty. All right. Yeah, let's do it. That's our show, you kinky bastards. If you liked it, head over to my website, kyle.surf, and donate on Patreon. It is listeners like you who keep this podcast going. I'm now doing a monthly email where just once a month I send you the best books I've been reading, the best podcasts I've been listening to, the best documentaries I've been watching, the best articles I've been reading. This month the documentary was Icarus and the article was I Think You're Fat by AJ Jacobs, a story about radical honesty. So if you want to get that email once a month, head over to my website kyle.surf and sign up. I'm going to play you out with a song by Groove Armada called Hey, a tribute to David Bowie. Have a fantastic day, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>